Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Awesome. What a boy. Amazing weather. I hope you're getting out and enjoying it. It's just awesome. A couple quick things, just on announcements. Uh, Derek's already mentioned just giving. Um, the box is back there in the back. Um, also, don't uh, rush out of here. Hope that you will stay, um, at least for a little bit, right after we're done in here. We're going to get a coffee. We'll dismiss, but then come right back in here. And we're just going to have a brief time. We'll be done before noon in here. But we just want to talk um, about where the church is going, uh, specifically leaning into groups. Just let you know um, kind of where we're headed with that. Derek's going to just um, give us some stuff. Uh, and I hope that you would just come back in for our little monthly church family meeting. It's going to be some good stuff. So uh, please plan to hang around a little bit. Uh, I know... Um, I know, it, I don't know how we can have church without the empanadas, but um, the one who makes the empanadas had a problem, so we have no empanadas. I know that's heartbreaking, um, but we do have extra donuts, so get a couple donuts, come back in, it'll hold you, we'll get out of here before lunch. Uh, I know we can do it. Another quick thing is you'll find something new in the seat backs in, in front of you. There's two cards. And I just encourage you to take a look at these. Um, this is a bunch of new information. This card just gives some simple stuff. This is some great discussion points for lunch or coffee or whatever. Um, let us know what you think about that. Also, this is just a place for you to fill out on the back if you have a prayer request or anything else <clears throat> that you would, uh, you'll just see some questions on here. If you want information about the church, just fill that out. No need to fold this card. It fits perfectly in that slot where, you, uh, where we give our offering. Just drop it in there for us. That would be great. The other card in here just gives uh, a lot of who we are as a church. Another great thing to just think about and talk about over coffee. We'd love to engage with you on any of those things. Please, please let us know um, what you think uh, about all of that. Um, back here, Outpost, every Sunday night, 6 p.m. right here for prayer, for worship, um, for diving in together. All are welcome. Also tonight, after Outpost, at 7.30 p.m. at 1213 um, Cemetery Lane, um, or I guess it's Alta Vista, um, is LOL, which is our high school ministry. It is some powerful stuff. Thank you. Um, so all high school students um, are invited to, uh, to that. Uh, that's been going great. Our interns are leading that and hosting that, which is um, pretty exciting. Uh, ladies, coming up is, you don't want to miss the Young Life Weekend Getaway, October 6th through 8th, Trail West. It's the annual Ladies Getaway. It is always an awesome time. Uh, if you have questions, you can um, ask uh, or call Meg. I thought I saw Meg here somewhere, right here. So you can talk to Meg if you have any questions about that. It's going to be a great weekend, so I encourage you ladies to sign up for that. Um, the annual Prince Resource Center um, Annual meeting or, or gathering to, to come together is coming October 14th, Hotel Colorado, 5-3. You can call us for more information about that. Um, and uh, just you'll hear more about groups and everything. I don't need to go through all of our offerings, but just would highly encourage you. If you haven't stepped into one of our open groups, ladies or men, we offer a lot of things. Um, you're going to hear from Derek here right after the service about some new things um, that are popping up. Just encourage you to... Um, Come and be a part of that. Okay, I think that's all of that. Again, let us know what you think about the cards. We'd love to engage um, you on 
a bunch of the information in there. If you've been with us, you know we have started in the book of Ephesians. I hope that you are enjoying this. We're going to be in here all year long, um, kind of almost verse by verse. We'll cover two um, this morning, <clears throat> verses 3 and 4, chapter 1 of Ephesians, if you want to find your um, way there. Uh, also, I just encourage you, church, to... Um, I have a little buzz going or something's ringing or something. I don't know. Um, but uh, I encourage you to take time to read the whole book of Ephesians, six chapters. Just throughout this year, read the whole thing. Just get deep into it and ask God to reveal himself uh, to you. Um, this is just part of our in-depth going into this. And I hope that obviously the ladies on Thursday uh, night, Wednesday morning, are diving to Ephesians, our men down Forge Mid-Valley, 6.30 on Fridays, as well as the men here on Wednesday mornings at 6.30 are diving into Ephesians. Just to encourage you to take a deep dive with us. We're expecting God to do some great things to unify our church and also our thinking about church and uh, all the blessings right, that God has for us. Okay, with that said, let's dive in. I want to greet you this morning, the saints of the Most High God. Welcome. Yeah, um, sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? And uh, many would say, well, it seems kind of churchy. Why are we uncomfortable with that? Why are you uncomfortable when I call you? And I've had several people kind of say, hey, I don't know about that saint thing, you know, um, But why are we uncomfortable with that language? Why are we uncomfortable with me greeting you like Paul greeted the church, the entire church of the early church greeted one another another, um, to the saints? Welcome saints of the most high God. Yeah, yeah. That's who you are. You're a saint of the most high God. And so why do we shy away from that language? Why does it even just sound kind of weird throwing it out there? I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, there's nothing that can replace that word. Paul used that word. The whole church used that word. It means hagios in the Greek. It means holy ones. Holy ones, welcome. Do you know who you are? Do you remember who you are? Do you remember what God has done to redeem you? His great lavish love he's poured upon you, right? To take you from one realm, Right? into another realm, into his light, into his eternal kingdom. Saints of the Most High God. There are several reasons why um, I think today we've just, um, we think maybe it's churchy, we think maybe it's just, uh, that just sounds weird to people. Uh, we're more concerned about what the culture thinks or other people think than we are concerned about what God calls us. Um. I could go down a whole list of, of reasons for it. We've also taken and corrupted the word saint because the church, at least some parts of the church have taken saint and we've made it what man thinks a saint is. And, and we've said, you've got to do these certain things. And then there's only certain people who are saints, especially the Catholic church, right? You're a saint if you do all these things. This saint, Michael, throughout church history, this, that is a corruption. I'm going to say it flat, as easy as I can. It's a corruption of the scriptures, clear and simple. It's not some person, special hierarchy out here who's done something. Anyone who knows the grace of Jesus and been saved is a saint. 
a holy one of God. And we're going to see that more clearly here. Any corruption of that corrupts the entire message of the gospel. That you have to work your way to sainthood. You can't do, I can't do anything to be a saint. That's the glory of the gospel. God has done it. His grace has shown, I have to receive it by faith. And you're a saint. Now what we have to do is recover that. Under Recover who we truly are. Right? In the Lord. So, with that, I'm going to dive in because I have several things really want us to get to on this this morning. The primary reason, I think, why we struggle with, even when I say, good morning, saints. That just sounds weird. We're not used to it, for sure. But here's the primary reason. The primary reason is because we're living with an earthly perspective and not a heavenly perspective. We're living more in this world. We're living more with eyes on this world, concerned about what other people think, than we are with a heavenly places perspective of understanding truly what's happened to us when we're saved. That we're to be setting our eyes on the things above, not on the things on earth. That is to be the priority. We're living more with a earthly reality then we are a heavenly reality. And here's the thing I want to, the scripture to kind of pull out this morning and for us to really let sink deep within us is this, that the heavenly reality is more important than the earthly reality. The heavenly reality drives earthly light. You know, nothing on this earth happens that doesn't first happen and is caused by what's going on in the heavenly places. In the spiritual realm. We're going to see it here in the scripture in a minute. And we might agree to, yeah, I think, uh, you know, but that's not how we live. Because you've been saved, you have been, your identity is now what? As Colossians says, hidden with Christ in God. You've been placed in the heavenly realms. You're a saint, holy one, if you know God. And he wants us to start living that way and start um, living as citizens of what? Of heaven, not of this earth. So the primary reason why we have a problem with saint and a lot of other things is because our mind has not been transformed into understanding the realm that we actually are to live primarily in and primarily focus on. And we're going to get into how this fleshes out in our own life, why we're not seeing so much breakthrough in our lives. is because we're trying to handle, even in the church, problems we have with our own flesh, our own struggles on the earthly places, rather than laying hold of the heavenly realm. So this morning, this is what I want us to look at, is developing a heavenly places perspective. Um, how do we do that? And folks, I, I believe we're so, when I say I think just the church in general, that we are, are more caught up with an earthly view of things, a material view of things, than you are a heavenly places view of things. When Jesus saved us, he transformed us. Out of one realm into a whole other realm. And this is what we should constantly be rejoicing about. This is not some therapy. This is not some like psychology. It's not some kind of just a worldview change. It is a radical transferring of our complete being into one, out of one realm. We are in bondage to an earthly, worldly, right? Even demonic, as we saw last week, realm into the kingdom of light. From death into life. You are a saint. You were a child at Scripture, Hebrews says, or, or Ephesians, we just looked at, a child of wrath. Destined to go the way of the earth. Until God saved you. 
and me and put us into the kingdom of light. And therefore now he calls us to live as holy ones, set apart for him, so he can pour out his ongoing eternal inheritance upon his children, who when he renews this earth, and we're going to get into this, right? He's restoring back to Eden, our rightful world to take dominion, to righteously rule the nations that are under corrupt, heavenly places, evil rulers and authorities who are reigning and ruling now in the world. Now that just kind of blew things up. We're going to get deep into that. I encourage you to wrestle with this stuff. Because even in the church, here's our problem. Is for decades, who knows how long now, is that we have taken a felt needs approach. The primary aspect of what happened in church is we're here to solve my problems. I need, I need help in all these areas of my life. right? And that's for sure. We all do. But we've gone to look at earthly means, focus on the felt need issue, rather than the priority of the church is to what? Is to go to the source. Is to go to the real issue that brings healing, is to deal with the soul, the core of the spirit, and what God's truly doing among his people. Then naturally from the inside out, these, these felt need things are going to be dealt with. But we've reversed the whole thing. And in doing that, we've brought the gospel, we've brought our emphasis down to what happens here on earth rather than the solution, rather than where our real identity is at. So, let's dive in. Ephesians. I'm going to again read just verses, um, I'm going to go 1 through 14 here. That we're only going to focus on 3 through 4, okay? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope, church, that you are walking in the grace of God, the peace of God, deep inside your soul. This is your inheritance. If you know Jesus, this is to be our countenance, overwhelmed by his grace, and resting my soul, resting in the peace of God. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood. This is, Derek mentioned, this is Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, the day of great covering. That the Jews, one of the wonderful seven uh, feasts, right, that God gave the Jews to remember, is today they, they, they're celebrating that God is going to cover us. Looking for a Messiah. This is the joy of the gospel. Jesus fulfilled Yom Kippur perfectly. It's his blood once and for all. He's covered the sins of God's people. And anyone who will cry out by faith and want that covering. We have redemption by his precious, precious blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Not according to all of our works in any religion, but according to his glorious grace 
with which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, in Christ, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, it's our deposit of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. There's a lot there. We're going to get to it. Father, thank you, Lord, for your glorious word. Lord, I pray you give us ears to hear, Lord. Holy Spirit, move among us, God. Jesus, you used to hold your church. He who has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches here. God, you're looking for those who worship in spirit and truth. Lord, who have a heavenly places perspective, God. Lord, rock us, shake us, stir our spirits, stir our hearts to receive. Give us ears, God, to be in tune with your word. And Lord, what you would have to say to us, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's dive in. Verses 3 and 4. Pretty amazing. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as He chose us in Him, the Father chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy, blameless before God. Boy, okay, there's a lot there for us to chew on, right? Um, first of all, I got three things for us, three questions, and I, I hope that we'll take some time this week, let these sink in. First question is, are we thinking and living with a heavenly places perspective? Where heavenly realities determine our earthly realities. Is that how we're living? Because to be a follower of Jesus, that is how we must, we will miss completely the promises of God and we will move it strictly into just a felt needs. I'm worried about Jesus fixing my issue right now. I need this or I need that in my life rather than ultimately God's purpose is what? To transform us, change who we are as a person. Those things will come. But we've reversed the priority and so a lot of the church, a lot of us have gone about this perspective and we've, we start off a wrong foot. We go on the external first rather than right putting a priority on, wow, how is my soul, how am I made holy? How am I going to be carried God out? What has God saved me for? And if he saved me, then it is by his grace, not by my religion, that he's got to have his grace and his power to transform me into what he wants me to be, to be like him, right? Holy and set apart. Um, so uh, this perspective, right, has to, to change. And I think we just have to ask ourselves, because we've all been trained more deeply than we'd ever realize, just to have a very earthly uh, perspective, right, on things. Um, and we, we can't even understand, right, what... Uh, 
the scriptures have to say to us, even the depth of the scriptures or the gospel or the inheritance or the power, unless we have a heavenly plan, unless we really understand there is a real spiritual realm. And in that realm, there's angels, the council of God, there's a myriad of angels, there's heaven itself, the throne of God, Jesus is there. And there's also a whole realm of demonic fallen angels and other evil powers and principalities who are at war with us and with God's purposes in this world. If I bulk at that, I miss the whole context. I take scripture and I take the Christian life and I bring it down to just some human principles And I'm also putting myself in grave danger of just being completely hardened to the things of God. And I miss this this life, this spiritual life that God has has called me into. And so developing a heavenly place's perspective is, and this is what Paul mentions this five times throughout this book of Ephesians, is we cannot understand the real meaning of the majority of this book unless we understand it with a heavenly place's perspective perspective what is Paul getting at he says these blessings every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places not just right here there's if I don't live there I'm not going to experience it but we've reversed it is God I want an earthly blessing right and we know the prosperity gospel is a corruption greatly of the glory of the gospel because it puts an emphasis on right prospering here rather than a deeper prosperity first and foremost which is Right within the hearts of people with an eternal right perspective. And so a heavenly places perspective. And folks, we know this to be true. It's just, again, the battle for us to stay focused on this is huge, isn't it? Um, in other words, we know this with our own body, don't we? That the spiritual reality of this determines where eternally my physical body is going to go, doesn't it? I want you to think about that. The spiritual reality in my life and in your life, what you believe about God, is going to determine where and what happens to this physical body. If you know Jesus, if the Spirit of God is in you, right, then you have the hope and the blessing of the resurrection. And what will happen to your body, your entire being, is going to be what happened to Jesus, and you'll be with Him. And if we know Jesus now, He says that our blessings that we've been seated with Him, and we'll get to this, in the heavenly places. What does that mean? For me today as I'm walking on the earth. What does it mean that I'm already seated in the heavenly realm? Um, we'll get to that. As we move into this, into this book. We'll start this morning the, um, with one very, very important um, element. And it's this. Are we living in a manner worthy of our heavenly calling and purpose to be holy and blameless before God? Do you know that's God's ultimate purpose? We just read it, right? even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. That is your purpose. That is, my pur- that is God's purpose and calling for each of us. Ultimately, that's where we have to start. He's called us to be like his son, like Jesus. Holy and blameless. We'll talk about what that means, but, but first let me just say, it says that he did this before the foundation of the world. There proves something's going on in heaven in the spiritual realm that's determining my life now. And I would just say for all of us, and if you're here or you're watching and, and you're kind of coming to this, mm, I don't know about this, or you're questioning 
you know, faith or you're investigating who Jesus is and who the gospel is. And, or maybe you're just, man, in this season, you're just doubting. You've stepped back from the faith. You're questioning church or whatever it is. I would just ask with you and I would plead with you to come with a, a real strong dose of humility and to again put yourself right, rightfully before what's happening in the world. You did nothing to get to this place. You did nothing to have the life and breath you have. You have no control ultimately over the breath and life and length of your days, your DNA, your family heritage. When you came into this world in history, none of it. We should be very humble to realize and what God is saying before all this was spoken into being is that God had you on his mind. And there's no accident. He knows exactly why you're here. He knows exactly more than anything. He's your father. He knows the hairs on your head. And so we should have a humble perspective rather than this, what we see, this anger, this hardness in the world that is questioning my body. I'll do what I want to with it. And and la, 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 a, a questioning of God that's going to harden a person's heart. And again, my spiritual reality determines my eternal place of my physical by my life right um and so holiness is the purpose of god ultimately is that we would be holy and blameless now let's just talk about that a little bit holy and blameless these are two different aspects and and if i had time i'd get into it and because the next verse says in love he predestines well actually that in love could also be technically a part because remember this is one ongoing sentence um, and Paul, when he wrote this, and uh, it also could mean in love, our purpose is to be holy and blameless before God. In other words, you can try to be holy. This is what it is to be religious. Try to be holy and try to be blameless on our own. And folks, don't try it. All I can say is I tried it. It's really ugly. It, it's... it's uh, it gets really, it moves you to self-righteousness, right? It moves you into being like a Pharisee. It uh, moves you into being really judgmental, somebody nobody wants to be around. Um, religion is dark. It means I'm trying to be holy in my own power. You can't do it. I couldn't be saved in my own power. I can't be holy in my own power. It is this deposit, this guarantee of the Holy Spirit. It is a heavenly reality, a spiritual reality of leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit to infuse me with the life of God, to learn how to walk and to please Him. My role, our role, right, is once I've been saved by His grace is to be faithful to carry out my purpose to please God first and foremost more than myself, more than the world, which is longing. He goes later in Ephesians to say, find out how to please the Lord. That should be what's consuming you. What's pleasing to you, God? I want to be holy. If my purpose is to be holy and blameless before you, well, what does that look like, God? What does it look like to be holy and blameless? And folks, this is the beginning of where everything starts. And I just, uh, a couple of quick things is just in our counseling, something has to change in how we work with people, how we help people, how we pray with people and counsel people, right? And in the body of Christ is, and I just throw this out, is this is how we need to talk. If I have a problem, if I'm having a question of God's guidance in my life, if I'm having a question of God's will in my life, or I need God to do something in my life, every one of us should minister to one another. And in the first thing we should talk about is come right down to the basis. Hey, are you in tune with your main purpose and calling in life? Is it your passion, first priority in your life, 
to be holy and blameless before God. Is that have a hold of you? Because if not, if I'm holding out on God, if I'm not taking sin seriously, if I'm not working and trying and developing a heart, right, that desires to please God, to come to God with any other issues in my life, where's that going to go? It's not going to go anyplace. And so here's the problem. Why we're not seeing great breakthrough among God's people today is because we're up here on the top. We're dealing in the name of love, sometimes and even grace, dealing with people's struggles without bringing people to the core first. Hey, are you right with God? Is your center centered with, first and foremost, I'm right with him. I desire to please him. I desire to be holy and to align my life up with his word. That's where we start. That's the beginning of discipleship. That's the beginning of following Jesus. Now let me just talk about what Jesus had to say about this battle. How important holiness and blamelessness is. My role is to, God, I can't do this. And I'm going to share my story in just a second. I need you. And the idea of to be holy is our role in this is that my heart desires to please him and to lay hold of the purpose he called me to is to be like Jesus. That should drive everything within me. The idea of blamelessness is holiness is something that's on the inside. Blameless is something on the outside. Is that my holiness, my desire to please God, it bursts out. Living water. You see evidence. You should see evidence in my life of, man, Steve's walking with Jesus. He, in his marriage and with his kids and his language and his on it, he's trying to be like Jesus. And there shouldn't be a public thing looking at me that can blame, bring accusation against me that contradicts what the Word of God says. Oh, there's plenty of accusation. But it should never contradict what Jesus says I should be. That's blameless. Again, I can't do that without His help. Without the power of the Spirit of God right, doing that right, in my life. Um... And folks, I, I just, um, gosh, I plead with you, young folks listening or here or parents with your children, is the world is telling you something just the opposite. The world is saying your purpose, your identity, who you are is determined by your feelings and just what your, in other words, your body, your urges, your desires is saying you should be or what you should do. And this creeps in even to the church. My calling, my dreams, my vocation, it is not first and foremost what I'm feeling, what my body desires to do. That will lead you to a place of radical bondage, as I'm going to show us in just a second, where I need to be delivered out. It will harden my heart. It will lead me away from right, the path of God. Is that I start with God. First and foremost, my primary calling and purpose is to be what? Set apart, a saint, holy one. To be like Jesus. To be like him. To please him. And if my heart is not there, not saying we're, not, we're perfect, we struggle. And I'm going to talk about how tough this is once you start trying to be holy. Wow. Nothing harder in the world. That should tell you something. It's easy to live like the world. It's easy to be let my fleshly desires lead my life. What I feel like doing, go do. That's easy. You try to be holy. And I'm telling you right now, you've just entered into a spiritual battle. You try to live holy and blameless before God. 
And folks, that's the next part, before him. And here's the heavenly perspective. Why does God make this his perspective? Because he knows he loves us. He wants a family. He wants us to be close to him. He wants us to, to be radically close to him. And the only way anybody can have fellowship with God is if they're holy. Hebrews 12 says, no one will see God without holiness. And so it's God's plan from the very beginning to how is he going to get us close to him? He's got to come up a way for us to be holy. And it has to be with our, he doesn't want just robots. I have to desire, I have to long to, right, be holy and blameless right before him. Okay, let's dive in. Oh, well, let me just say one final thing before I go on to the next thing. Is, um, you know, I, I, I just encourage you, when you hear out there on the internet or when you hear people, right, who are saying, we just love you, we just, we just do what Jesus does. And that sounds great, and it's true, but uh, go explore that below the surface. We just love people. Um, I'm just going to give you a couple verses. Matthew 5. I'm give you Jesus, what he had to say about sin. How important it was to Jesus that people walk in holiness. And this is what he said to the crowd, by the way. He said this, says, if your eye caused you to sin, what did he say? Cut it out. Cut it out. Lop it out. Better you go through life with one eye than you, what? Go to hell with two eyes. Now, he didn't just stop and say, oh, now I know that's that's kind of harsh, I know, I know that, man, some of you that makes you feel really bad because you're struggling with watching porn or you're struggling with impurity or you're struggling with, with covetedness or you're longing for this or go down the list of things that our eyes look at, right? I know you're struggling with those things, so come on, I, I'll call you up here. No, he says, stinking, lop it out. Better you go through this life with one eye than you go to hell with two eyes. That's Jesus That's how serious he is that his people are holy and how serious he is no one will see God without holiness. Where's the fight for holiness in the church today? We're not even using the scripture. We're not even using the heart of God on this. He goes further. If your arm causes you to sin, let me tell you how serious this is. Chop it off. Better you go through life with one arm than you go to hell with two arms. Church, people, holiness is why God sent his son and to minimize sin, to not fight it with everything you have, to realize as soon as you start going after holiness, you are entering into a battle and it's going to come after you. It's going to beat you of the guilt and condemnation. So I got to hold on to the gospel. I can't do this, God. Your spirit's got to do this in my life. Now I could go on verse after verse after Jesus radically, we hear the story of the woman who's about to be stoned in adultery, right? And uh, Jesus steps in. He who has, the first, who has no sin, you cast the first stone. Boom! And we highlight that. We miss how the story ends. Here this woman's left. She's wonderfully, right, saved. Grace upon grace upon her. How did Jesus leave it with her? What did he say to her? Go and sin no more. Oh, I know you're, I know, look, you've had a rough life. I know you're going to struggle some more at this. I know it's going to be a big battle. Go and sin no more. God's grace 
means I should respond with taking sin radically serious and I should walk like him. Now I need to wrestle with how do I do that? So any message you hear out there on the internet, anything else that minimizes, that talks about, oh, we just love Jesus. Oh, Jesus is this comforter. All this stuff and minimizes the power of sin. And Jesus' very clear words over and over again about how serious sin is and how it needs to be radically fought in this spiritual battle. Just turn it off. It's false. And it's leading people in the church away from the power of the gospel, away from God's purpose for his people which is holiness. And folks, this is the place of freedom. This is a glorious place. Now let me move to the last point because I know that if you're like me, I'm like, oh my gosh, well, woo, I'm, man, I'm feeling really rough now. And that's kind of the point. In fact, Jesus didn't stop after he said those hard things. He didn't stop and just say, oh, let me soften this for you. He never softened it. He's looking for people's hearts who want to please God, not people who want to be made to feel good or to have their feelings coddled. He's looking for people who are serious about God and inside their heart are desperate. God, I am unholy, like Isaiah said. Please, God, wash me. Yom Kippur, cleanse me. And if I don't have that in my life, I'm telling you right now, we will not see God. I'm not going to journey with him as grace. I'm not going to understand grace if that's not developed in me. Final thing. Are we living in a manner worthy of our heavenly calling and purpose to be holy and, and, uh, and before God? Okay, last one. Are we living with a heavenly places perspective so we can live by the power of the Spirit of God to become holy and blameless before God? Okay. Um, I got out of college and... Uh, I became a Christian at a young age. I've shared a lot of my story with you. Um, and what happens is we, we get into the Christian life and we, we get in, you know, we just start living the, and we Bible study and everything and we're going along life and, and what happens, can happen is the world creeps in and before long, the idea of sin, the idea of holiness, eh, you know, that battle, we kind of compromise here. I got one foot in the world. I got one foot in the church. I'm doing pretty good and, and everything. And for me, I got out of college and, and it was... Um, you know, working, making money, being single, having time, and, you know, uh, happy hour, and, and it was just, I was in church, and doing ministry, but also, man, kind of loving that whole being in the world, and, and it was just slowly this drift of one foot in the world, one foot, right, in church, and everything, and I got into a discipleship group, and I'll shorten this story, and uh, um, I've shared this before, um, and the guy that was leading us, um, one night, he just called us out, he says, gentlemen, Where's holiness in your life? Talk to me about your impurity. And uh, he took us right to, and it was just time of confession, from thoughts to, to dating life, to just go down a list of impurity, right? Um, and uh, may I remind us, if I flip over right to chapter 4, chapter 5 of Ephesians, listen carefully. This is 5.5, five, the book of Ephesians, we'll get here. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, um, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or God. Boom. 
Yeah, that's supposed to land like a wham. What? What do I do? I'm impure, God. I think impure things. I watch impure things. What do I do? That night he took me to, to uh, Matthew 5. I'll never forget as long as I like. Matthew 5, verse 8. And it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Do you want to play around with impurities and everything? Or do you want to see God? Young person, I say it right now. What do you want? You want to play around with the porn? You want to play around with all your sliding, flashing, and all this junk, and your this likes and that likes and everything? Or do you want to see God? You want to see God? You want to, you want to experience the greatness of, of God and His promises He has for you? Then you've got to be pure. Then you have to set yourself apart from the world and be holy unto Him. Holy. And have accountability is why we need discipleship group and other groups is, is that my thoughts and everything. And, and finally, gang, the last thing I want to leave you here, and we're just going to move into a prayer time, is uh, chapter 6 of Ephesians. It says, we don't battle with flesh and blood. We battle with what? Powers, principalities, beyond what we can even see. Now, you know what? Most of the time when we read that, we think of this, wow, we're battling in this world, the politics or whatever it is. is have you ever thought about what that means in your life? We battle not with flesh. My, my battle with alcohol, my battle with porn, my battle with whatever, selfishness, my battle. Go on the list of things. I'm not battling just with my flesh. I'm in a spiritual battle. And it's chapter 4 in Ephesians, we'll get to it, it says that if I do not deal with it spiritually, I can give a foothold to the devil in my life. Yes, believer. Powers and evil principalities who want to put you in bondage, who want to keep you in that addiction, who want to keep you in that depression, who want to keep you in that, that way of the world. The only way it can be broken, folks, is having a heavenly place's perspective where I call upon the Spirit of God, the blessings of God, the spiritual gifts, the power of God to set me free. To set me free. Why do we see so little radical transformation today? It's because we don't have a heavenly place's perspective. And we are trying to throw band-aids, worldly solutions onto a spiritual problem. And the majority of our problems are spiritual. And they need a spiritual solution. And they need God's people to get true about the power of God that's powerful enough to do anything in your life and my life to set us free from any bondage, anything in my life, if I will lean in to God. And trust Him. But it has to be with a heart that desires to please Him. I'm wrapped up in that purpose, right? I'm going to be holy like you, God. And that should be the priority in our lives. Lord, am I becoming like you? Am I desiring to please you, God, more than my flesh or anything else? This is the, the foundation of discipleship. This is where the blessings, right, will roll. And um, folks, just think about, Dirk, come on up. Just think about the idea of prayer. Just prayer. You ever think about that? Why, why do you pray? What happens when you pray? Do you realize the power? Without a heavenly place's perspective, prayer becomes religious and rote. And I think that's where so many of us are at. Do you realize that prayer is a, prayer is a weapon? As a child of God, as a righteous person, James 5 Prayer avails much. There's a connection between the effectual prayer in my life versus my holiness. Do you know that? God says clearly in his word, he will not listen to the prayers of an unrighteous person. 
Oh, that's just so judgmental. It's just God. He's holy. And if I'm not holy, if I'm not pleading before him, guess what? I'm putting up a wall between God. Again, I don't have to be perfect. I have to desire to be like him. Lord, come, you got to do it. I can't do it. And that's when things start happening. When I surrender to him, Lord, I'm a mess. And folks, I can tell you in my own life, even recently with some things, is that, man, as I go after this, Lord, I want to please you. I want to be holy before you. Man, the enemy comes. Bam! Right? Just like all of a sudden, it's like, what is going on? This battle in my mind, in my flesh, and Holy Spirit, radical dependence on you. God, come. Do this. Right? So we're going to have some people just sitting on the stage here before we come to the table. Um, If you want someone to pray with this morning, And my, um, just throw this up. Folks, we're saints. We're holy ones. We've got to get a hold of that. And um, back in chapter 3, it says that we have a boldness. We have an access to the very presence of God because, not because I'm perfect, but because I know Jesus, the one mediator between God and man. And I can boldly go before his throne, meaning that I can move things in this heavenly realm with my prayers that have a result in people's lives in this realm. And when I take prayer seriously, and the reason why the American church doesn't spend much time in prayer is because guess what? We don't have a heavenly place's perspective. And guess what? We're not seeing much change, heaven to earth. Prayer among God's people is the, one of the primary things that shows, man, do I really believe in this heavenly place's perspective, right? To lay hold of all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places so we can be holy and blameless before Him. And so if there's something you're struggling with, if you just need God to come and, and bless you and to awaken you, to deliver you this morning, if you're struggling with an emotional issue, a, a, a physical, whatever it is, is, man, have somebody pray. Let's go into the heavenlies. God will do something great. Mostly it has to begin with my heart of, do I desire to please Him? Do I desire to be holy? If I don't, I have to start there. That is the primary issue of a saint. Because if I don't desire that, then I'm working against my, what God says I am. Right. And so I just encourage you to pray with each other. If somebody's next to you, if you just want to be alone and pray, go for it. There'll be people up here if you want to come and just uh, sit next to and just... Have somebody minister to your heart who knows how to intercede into the heavenly places to get earthly results, right? Um, So Father, thank you, Lord, for this morning. And God, please awaken us. You've called us saints. Now, Lord, we need you by the power of your spirit to flesh that out, Lord. Forgive us for minimizing the fight against sin in our lives, Lord. Lord, forgive us for taking your grace so cheaply when we're not willing to fight, Lord, as, as willingness as you said, just lop an eye out. To, and I know, Lord, you're, that's hyperbolic. But Lord, your point is clear. Help us, Lord, to heed that. Help us to fight for one another, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, do your work. This is a house of grace. We should need to cry out to you and God. You will break the captive free. So come now, Lord. Let your church take up the armor, Lord, and fight for each other. And pray for each other. It begins there. The power of prayer.
Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.